0: Hello and welcome along to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast, a podcast exclusively dedicated to the grandest, greatest, most prestigious competition in South American club football, arguably, possibly, probably, Mr. Wilson, the greatest competition in football, period, I think, maybe. And this week on the pod, we discussed the third round of qualification before the group stages of the Copa Libertadores, because it's all teed up for this third round of qualification. We've had the first and second round, so myself and Mr. Wilson, we were we were previewing the, the eight teams, the four ties, there's some really, really big football clubs in this round of qualification, and we had a little look back. We talked about Boca and River and, uh, yeah, everything in between, I think. Myself, David Windsor, and Mr. Oliver Wilson, Oli... Just as I hope the tournament gets bigger and better and more exciting as as it goes on, I felt like this was a, a good little, good little placeholder of a pod just to tee us up for for the weeks to come.
1: I think the third and final stage of qualifying for the Libertadores group stage has set us up perfectly for how the tournament's going to be. So I was kind of naturally excited by the fact that we're getting to talk about these games because these are this could be almost group stage, quarterfinal, possibly semi final looking. Fixtures that we've got coming up this week um and i was even Mm. i was even tweeting out on our twitter account now the official podcast twitter account wins will win pod on twitter uh about how excited i was that these games were coming up because there are some really tasty ties and it sets us up perfectly to get excited about the copa libertadores 2021 and thankfully the adrenaline hasn't finished from 2020 so we haven't come down yet either we're just going up and up and
0: up you know what some people on podcasts will say they're excited, but I'm looking at Mr. Oliver Wilson's <laughs> face and I can tell you that this guy is genuinely buzzing about some of these ties. There's, there's no, there's no, uh, that uh that is legit, Ollie, yeah. And why wouldn't you be? Because as you say, there's there some huge matches It's going to be, it's going to be awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for the year, actually. It's going to be good.
1: It's going to be some late nights. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be uh, mm. football past two o'clock in the morning, I think, sometimes which will be yeah. interesting to see that, how that fits in with the rest of the European time frame. So we'll...
0: Well, they say that nothing good happens past midnight, but they obviously haven't soaked <laughs> up a little bit of uh, Copa Libertadores action in the small hours. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be the first of many, many this year. Enjoy the pod.
1: <laughs> Enrique, gets in between the two. Victor Questo with a fair challenge. Still might fall for Enrique. Flamengo have
0: the lead. on a fabulous Palmeiras performance. Gustavo Scarpa, just helping himself to a goal. Apila takes it down, takes the strike on! And fires Boca in front! It's a quite splendid goal from Apila.
1: Might be a second one here for Bruno Enrique,
0: into the bottom
1: corner. Double delight for Bruno Enrique on the night for Flamengo.
0: Are told it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge stretch. So let's um, <laughs> let's begin, Oli, with where we are, which is the third phase of qualification before the group stages of the Copa Libertadores. Eight sides in it, four ties. Of course, four will go through to the group stages of the competition. Just running through them very briefly. San Lorenzo Santos, Bolívar Junior, Independiente de Viagremio, Gremio, Libertad Atletico Nacional. I wanted to start with Santos-Oli because I felt they've earned the right to be spoken about first as runners-up last year. Uh, but I just wanted to... Can I actually start with a tiny bit of trivia that popped into my head just is before this Is this one of these
1: popped? ones that's going to catch me out again? Your trivia yeah, questions are always the ones that get...
0: Right. Isn't that the whole point of trivia? But I know trivia usually is an afterthought, but I actually want to leave with it because I think it's a focal point at this stage of the competition. Okay. There's eight sides left in... There's eight sides in the third stage of qualification, Ollie. Only three have never reached the final of the Copa Libertadores. I'll say that again. So there's eight sides in this third round of qualification. Five have at least reached the final or gone on and won it. Only three haven't reached the final. And I could also say that all three of those have reached a semi-final. It's tricky trivia because I'm asking you to scroll okay, back through years and decades.
1: Junior, yes. Bolivar. Yes. And Libertad.
0: <laughs> Get in. <laughs> Very good. Always good but to start that... the
1: season well. I tell you, I'll take that. That's three points right there.
0: I'll tell you what, that's quite impressive, Ollie Because I think, because Libertad was one that when I looked at it and I was like, they must have reached a final at some point. But, but no, they haven't. And those three sides have reached a semi-final and the other sides have reached either the final or gone on and won it. But I thought it was an interesting an interesting marker really of where we are in terms of at least historical quality that all eight of these sides have at least reached the semi-finals of this competition before five of those eight sides have reached the final you know Santos and San Lorenzo is a clash between two former champions gremio won it three times so what I'm saying is that at this third stage of qualification there's there's a lot of big football clubs in it
1: yeah one of the points I wanted to actually talk to you about was the fact that these don't feel like qualification rounds at all and there are there are some teams that you would like to I guess fiddle this draw to ensure that some of them get through you feel because a couple of Dodores as we've been working on it doesn't feel right almost without say if a Gremio doesn't get through or or if a Libertad doesn't get through and we know the pedigree obviously of of San Lorenzo and Atletico Nacional perhaps not uh, grandly known on the uh, European stage but a huge name in South American football have been to a final in the last 20 years or so I believe won it in 2000s at one point I believe I'm trying to yeah, say
0: yeah yeah it was in, in recent memory certainly yeah so
1: these these are all sides that have been to the highest height the the tallest peak and now they look like they're 2016 fighting, fighting for their lives so it's um yeah it's mouth-watering the games that we've got coming up in early April mm.
0: yeah and we got to this stage uh there were two prior rounds of qualification. Let's start by talking about San Lorenzo and Santos, Oli, because I think it's a fascinating tie. It's a a clash between two former champions, as I said. San Lorenzo won it in 2014. Santos uh, have won it, I think they're five-time finalists. They've won it two or three times, runners-up last year. Um, The biggest takeaways for me from Santos in the second round of qualification, where they edged really past Deportivo... Uh, Lara 3-2 eventually on aggregate won the first leg 2-1 in Brazil 1-1 the second leg. The biggest takeaway was was just the ability and quality of Jefferson Soteldo scoring a lovely free kick in that second leg, completely dominating the match, round the show. Oh, Ollie, I really hope we have another year of Soteldo. This what he must be five 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 six. He's a tiny it's little footballer. Big. Peroxide blonde hair. Uh, I just hope we have another year. I hope 2020, 2021, we're talking a lot about Jefferson hotel.
1: Well, we were denied so much of him in last year's competition as well. We saw him at the start of the group stage and then he didn't really reappear until the latter part of the knockout stages. And it was great when we got to see him because we got to see the quality that he has shine through in these qualifying rounds he was needed though for Santos because Mm. you look at the the front three that they had in uh particularly that first leg against Deportivo Lara Soteldo Marcos Leonardo and Angelo you know we didn't see Mourinho we didn't see Caio George you know they're still on the books at Santos they're there but they haven't been used in these qualifying rounds so if there was a time that they were going to lean on Jefferson Soteldo it has been this time and he's produced the goods thankfully for them that have ensured they've got through it's not been easy You know, the front line didn't really show up that much against Deportivo Lara in the first Mm. leg. It was the defenders that scored in that. And then Soteldo has a, a, a moment of magic with the set piece in the second leg to kind of just ease the tension and get them through that second leg. Once they scored, you felt that they were probably going to be in control with the lead on aggregate and they probably wouldn't let it slip away. I mean, you never know in competitions, but I think Santos have earned our faith from last year that we can at least believe that they should be getting past somebody like the Venezuelans. But it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't smooth sailing. No, it
0: wasn't. And listen, I'm not going to lie and say I've watched so much Venezuelan football that I know exactly about the quality of Deportivo Lara. But but they really pushed Santos in this. And it's also worth mentioning in that first leg, Oli, as you say, Kaiki, the the um you know the defender scoring the winning goal. The uh, 17 years and I think it was 50 odd days the second youngest player the second youngest Brazilian maybe to, to score in the Copa Libertadores so yeah and they also had you mentioned uh, Marcus Leonardo who's kind of leading the line he's also 17 years of age I mean you, you know we were sometimes giving Caio Jorge a free pass at being you know however however old he was 19 or 20 um, in the tournament last year so so certainly Marcus Leonardo at 17 you know I'm not quite sure what you can can ask for him in other notable news Ollie, if someone's just picking this up from the back end of last tournament a great shame to see Kuka not being at the helm i mean i know he's he'll still be you know it, we'll still see a lot of him but uh, but he's not at the helm at santos
1: yeah which uh, i know you'll miss his dress sense because you love to take inspiration from those t-shirts that he wears mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. on the sideline and he's a charismatic figure but I mean we've said it before we've said it a million times how often do you look through the management careers of of South American football managers and see that you know five six months in a job 12 months max Uh, and and Ariel Holland is is a very good football manager he's got a lot of experience at the highest level in South American football so I'm not sure you lose won the
0: Sudamericana I think too much by bringing him in you know yeah yeah, no, I think it, 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 it on paper, certainly a good appointment. It's uh, it's interesting, Sa- I was just yeah, going to say with yeah. Santos
1: as well, that the big thing is sorting out a centre-back pairing again. Because of the loss mm. of Verissimo going off to Benfica, you now have to mm. find somebody alongside Luan Perez. And, and Kaiki seems to be the, the player that they want to create that, that bond as a, a centre-back pairing once again. But that's going to be a real problem potentially for Santos going through the remainder of this tournament, whether they get through this third round or not against San Lorenzo is that loss, that really weakened back line you've suddenly got when you take out, arguably, as we we heard last year, the best centre-back in South American football out of that defensive line.
0: And what a big clash it is against San Lorenzo in in the third round of qualification over two legs. I mean, yeah, just two huge football clubs on the continent, two former champions. San Lorenzo got through to the third rounds of qualification by beating Universidad de Chile, 3-1 3-1 over two legs. Um, you know, Universidad de Chile themselves a huge club in their, in their homeland. Uh, for San Lorenzo, Franco De Santo scored in both legs. I don't actually remember him much in England and in not? Europe. Do you know? Oh, yeah, I
1: remember him at I, Wigan. I, yeah.
0: I I was I I saw that he'd I knew that he played for Wigan. And I was doing some digging and I was like, "Was he in the in the side that uh, won the FA Cup final and went, when was it 2012 2013 and he was on the bench actually in that I don't remember his time in Germany I think he had a spell there I, I remember the name remember the connection with Wigan but can't recall it goals he scored
1: bleeds in a little bit and I'm, I could very easily be incorrect but there was a goal against Chelsea that he scored in the latter part of the year they got relegated which was ruled for offside that was miles onside and everybody started saying, these are the types of games where you've got to have technology. And it was one of those goals that really added the oomph into the debate yeah. of getting some sort of offside technology brought in or some way to challenge things in world football. And that I think it was Franco De Santo scoring in that game and having it ruled out that led again to the, <laughs> the, the debate coming up. So if you're Don't not a fan Franco of De Bart, Santo yeah. for VAR... <laughs> <laughs> not a fan of VAR have a word with Franco De Santo and you probably want Santos to go through <laughs> against San Lorenzo that's all I'm saying
0: who do you want to go through by the way who do you want to go through who do you prefer to see play six games of football in the group stage
1: I went on a YouTube deep dive with yeah. San Lorenzo's fans so I've got a real like affinity to the atmosphere so if fans get back into stadiums in the next six months I'd love to see San Lorenzo in the Copa Libertadores. I think though I don't think it's right to judge the uh, to steal from the footballing world a chance to see Jefferson Sotelo play a full Libertadores campaign, hopefully. And Mm. the other young quality that Santos have coming through their ranks. And I'd like to see if after what was a disappointing finish to their Brazil campaign domestically, if once they get through this third qualifying round, they can return to being something under Ariel Holon that they were last year i think that'd be a really Mm. interesting thing to see so either way i think we win i think football fans who enjoy watching the game will want santos and i think if you're an argentinian fan or an atmosphere fan you probably want san lorenzo although santos fans did give us the flares being parachuted into a football stadium which is something i never thought i'd see so you can't knock Um
0: (laughs) them unbelievable (laughs) moment yeah it would be a massive shame if you know, if Santos went out, and we didn't see Soteldo at all in the competition. You wonder whether he'd be angling for a move then. Got a the move.
1: The, You've got to move. Marinho would I mean. want to move as well, surely.
0: Yeah. With the anyway, kind of... we'll cross that bridge. But it's a, it's yeah. a it's it's an absolutely fascinating clash. But it's not the pick of the four <laughs> of the four ties in this third round of qualification is it mr wilson
1: if we're going there it's a quarter final this is a quarter final or semi-final of a libertadores campaign if we're going to where i think we're going to go because well, we are going the to pick, the we pick of the games is independiente <laughs> del valle against gremio this is yes this is i'm so excited for this and so disappointed because it means we have to lose one of these sites and yet I'm pleased because it means that one of these sides is going to be dropping down to the Sud Americana. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I guess that'll be tough to watch throughout the group stages instead.
0: Damn. <laughs> I think over the last, what, two or three months, Ollie, sporadically I send you a message just saying, oh, no, I didn't realise he's left, mate. Because we know Ollie Wilson is the independent <laughs> in-English correspondent. And I'm, you know, I, I have an affinity with them because they were great to watch. And I love the underdog story over the past five years, of course. Libertadores runners-up in 2016. Sudamerican champions 2019. But, yeah, the last two months only, I've just sent you texts at intervals just being like, oh, I didn't realise he'd left. I didn't realise, you know, he'd left off the top of my yeah. head. Um, you know, who's gone? Torres has gone. Moises, Moises Caicedo's gone. Uh, Preciado, gone. right-back, yeah, is yeah, gone. Preciado, like, yeah. yeah, So like, yeah. Uh, Miguel Angel yeah, I mean,
1: Ramirez, the, the gaffer's gone. It's That's
0: the big one, though.
1: No? I actually think Gabriel like, Torres to is the big biggest one. loss. Gabriel Torres is a huge yeah. loss as a focal goals, point goals, for that goals. attack when you can stick two wide men alongside him and he's so good at creating as well as being a finisher in that I mean where he we didn't have two bad nights against uh, Nacional last year they don't go out of the tournament where they go out in the first knockout stage and stuff
0: oh, Ollie I've got it I've still got it written down I can't get over it. I've still scribbled down the Nacional game as just something that I can't of a kind of a what if even though it had no connection to what we're talking about now and this this game in the in the third round of qualification but uh yeah i mean we should say Independiente of they well they lost the first leg against union espanola 1-0 and then stormed back to win the second leg 6-2 so go through 6-3 on aggregate um yeah it, listen it, it was an impressive performance they still got players there ollie that that we sort of recall from a couple of years ago but Pesciano's still there pulling the strings faravelli i saw they got uh well montenegro came on on low from Olympia, banging in the goals. So there's still there's still quality.
1: Yeah, you've got um, Landazuri, who was the right back in the year they won the Copa Sudamericana, who's been in and out of the side during these last couple of games. Uh, Segovia and Richard Schunker as well, um, as they're playing this back three. Both of them, uh, Segovia can play wide or both can play down the centre as well in that defence. Uh, John Sanchez started that second leg, mm. and Joel Richards and I have been having a long discussion about him because there is a stereotype in Ecuadorian football that once you the young players get to the top of the domestic league they start to think they've made it and there's a real kind of motivation problem that seems to seep in at a lot of teams and with a lot of players and uh, joel believes that that perhaps happened with sanchez which is why he didn't feature much last year was on the bench a lot why he didn't perhaps play the first leg of these qualifying rounds but he was really good in the second leg so and they've got some young blood coming through again uh the the Eighteen-year-old in the middle of the park, Pedro Vitis, uh, Vita, excuse me, who who yeah. got his name on the score sheet and actually looked a really good little box-to-box midfielder for for a teenager, yeah, like looked played with a feeling of experience about how he showed up in the um, second ninety minutes of the second leg. So, look, there's there's hope for Independiente del Valle. It's a new-looking side. It's a different side, but they have a system of bringing through new players and kind of just rebuilding and rebuilding every so often so will be interesting they're taking on one of the most consistent sides in the couple Libertadores over the last four five years really
0: i mean it's a terrible draw for them i mean it's a terrible draw i mean i think remio the side i know santos got to the final last year but i think remio the side you don't want to face uh in amongst those eight clubs because of what they've done in terms of consistency. I mean, even Santos' run to the final last year was an anomaly in terms of recent years, but Gremio, um, yeah, incredible. That succession of kind of semi-finals, Renato Gaucho is still there. Uh, They're multiple-time winners of the competition. So, I mean, yeah, Gremio, it's a huge clash. Uh, They played Ayacucho of Peru. uh, Ayacucho's first ever appearance in the Copa Libertadores, so a bit of a tough tough, uh, test coming up against Gremio first leg was 6-1 to Gremio and Brazil absolutely dominated won the second leg 2-1 as well so 8-2 on aggregate as you'd expect really Gremio just just breezing through um yeah and and and, and setting up what is I think the the tie of the round Diego Sosa got a hat-trick in the first leg I thought Acevedo looked good for Grêmio, the 19-year-old Ricardinho as well, scoring his first goal in the Copa Libertadores. So promising signs. And always with that kind of game, I don't know exactly only what you can take from them thrashing a side making their debut in the competition. But nonetheless, they scored eight goals over two two games, and Renato Gaúcho will will be looking at that IDV clash ooh, with intrigue.
1: It's it felt like the first leg is um, more gremio starting 11 that we're used to compared to the side he put out in the second leg that was get the job done oh we've got the job done and then some we've got five goals breathing room let's tinker with things because they kind of went with that four two three one in the first leg and and came out instead in the second leg with with two up front in more of a, a flat four four two so it's allowed them to do a bit of tinkering and see what else they've got uh I mean, as you say, you can't take much from Grêmio at the moment. What you can take a little from, I think, is the Copa do Brasil loss to Palmeiras. Because the Mm. only reason they're in this at the moment, in this tie, is because they lost in the Copa do Brasil final over Palmeiras. And again, not the best finished the domestic campaign, which only finished about a month ago in Brazil. So much like Santos... However, we look at them with last year and the previous years of pedigree in this competition, with Gremio in particular, there have been reasons to doubt domestically, which is why I think this makes the tie against Independiente Del Valle even more wide open. Because it's a newish looking Independiente Del Valle side against a Gremio side that quite clearly has some obvious fragility to it now. Mm. And they don't necessarily have an Everton like they did two years ago to drag them kicking and screaming through games, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, both of these two sides, when people say sides are in a period of transition, it normally means they're significantly weaker and might not regain what they were before. It's just being polite. And both of these two sides, in terms of the quality of the footballers they've got, you know, they've lost such big names. I mean, Renato Gaucho is still there quite. Quite incredible, really, in many ways. But, I mean, those two ties, Independiente del Valle, Gremio. I mean, San Lorenzo Santos, yeah.
1: Like, no Jean-Pierre, either, in this yeah, Gremio yeah, team anymore. Football. There's a few that have moved on now from last yeah. season that we quite enjoyed watching, particularly the guys that seem to pull the strings. So, yeah, they got to they got to find someone. Who do you fancy? It's got to be Independiente del Valle. I've got to back them. I really want them through. Because... If anything, we've got so many Brazilian sides are going to be in this competition already. Yeah. So let's... I,
0: I think that's going to be my default position, Ollie, throughout 2021. Like, both of us are, are essentially complete neutrals, right? We've got slight affinities. Like, you know, I quite enjoy watching some pl- some sides play over another. You know, there's some interesting stories that I lean more lean towards more than others. But to be honest, I think I speak for both of us, Oli. I really don't have a team on this continent, right? Mm. And so for, for me, this tournament... The domination of Argentina and Brazilian sides—I would just love to see it be snapped, either that in small ways yeah, or on a larger scale of, of a side outside of Brazil and Argentina actually lifting the trophy. So I think that's going to be my theme for 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 the tournament, Ollie. If I if I can, I'll lean. If I can justifiably lean against an Argentina or Brazilian side, then I will.
1: So you're going Abba? Anybody but you know <laughs> Anybody but Brazil or Argentina? Yeah, Abba. 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right no i think i'm yeah, yeah I'm hashtag i wonder if that'll catch on in the uh in the comment <laughs> <laughs> hey you never know man you never know <laughs> the other ones on it bolivar against junior Let, let's start there um Bolivar lost the first leg of their second round of qualification against Montevideo Wanderers, 1-0. Absolutely thrashed the Uruguayans, 5-0 in the second leg. Erwin Saavedra was, was magnificent, best player on the pitch, the captain, ran the show. Um, I think it's fair to say that Bolivar aren't, you know, they have reached the semifinals historically, but, but they're not really a, a notable name outside the continent. And I was really impressed with Junior of Colombia against Caracas in the in the second round of qualification. Caracas are a decent side. They really are. We saw that last year, Ollie, in mm. the Copa Libertadores. They came. They were so unlucky not to qualify for the knockout phases of the Libertadores. So even though you might look at that and think, at Caracas, if you don't know anything about them, maybe. But they were good last year. They got some really exciting, good young players this year. Samson Akinula, 21 years of age, scored in both legs. I'm sure he is a Copa Libertadores group stage player, if not more in the years to come. So I think you'll hear his... Name more often, but ultimately Caracas didn't come through. Junior came through 5 2 an aggregate, um, and they they go through to the the third round. But there's just a lot to like in this junior side. Uh, we, we were, we were what'sapping about Miguel Angel Borja just before the pod, he, you know, on loan from Palmeiras. He is there's goals in that man, he's got a host of Libertadores goals for numerous clubs. I think it's 18 or 19 Libertadores goals he's got. Not too many players in the tournament, if any, will be able to match that. You know, he scored a lot of Libertadores goals. Teo Gutierrez, 35 years of age now, but, you know, he, he used to be, he was former South American footballer of the year, way back when, in, in 2014. So, so they've got quality and... If I'm going to already pick a dark horse, it might just be Junior.
1: Oh, you're falling into the Junior trap, aren't you? Because do you remember two years ago, it was, this is a great little young Colombian side that have got a really big upside if they can get everything to click together. We had the exact same rhetoric last year going into the tournament. Had the same rhetoric with Junior when they dropped into the Copa Ball Sudamericana last year. And they just don't show up in the big moments for some reason. Which is why with, dare I say it, for the first time in the 2021 Libertadores with the altitude of La Paz on the road (laughs) against Bolivar. I mean, I'm convinced that's why Montevideo Wanderers looked so lost because in Uruguay they played a pretty boring but structured game against Bolivar, a far more experienced side and, and were able to get a victory on home soil which put them in a good position going into that second leg. And then they just looked completely out of shape and all over the place in La Paz. They couldn't handle whatever it was, whether it was the moment or if it was the altitude. And Bolivar tore them apart and they did look dead on their feet after about 60, 70 minutes or so. So I could quite easily see this junior side going through another stumble in a big moment because we have no reason to believe that they have the ability to come through a big moment like this, a big test like this. Mm. And I, I think probably for junior, it's not one of the bigger sides that they wouldn't have wanted to face but they would have much rather taken a Montevideo Wanderers by a lot I think compared to having to do the travel and go to Bolivia
0: yeah I agree but I mean just looking at the sides in this third stage I think Bolivar uh, you know they'll definitely fancy it it's funny Ollie I thought you were when you were calling me out there I thought you were going to say um you're going to talk about me going nuts for Barcelona of Ecuador in the qualifying stages. Look, we all make year. mistakes, all right?
1: I mean, at least we haven't because had anybody it is, score seven it. goals by this point. And so we're looking yeah. at the top goal scorers is still open.
0: I've been really monitoring that as well because I don't <laughs> want to see anyone do what Fidel Martinez did last year because it just makes a mockery of the whole top, goals, <laughs> top scorer. Yeah, there. when I'm you see
1: uh, Montenegro and uh, Diego Sosa scoring hat-tricks, you're like, damn it, no.
0: Not. Yeah, no, I don't like it at all. But at least they're on three... So, so that I don't think going to run away with it. Um, the other game in the third stage is Libertad against Atletico Nacional. Um, Libertad came through, I mean, it squeezed through against Universidad Católica in their second round of. Of qualification 3-2 on aggregate over the two legs and atletico nacional and this really disappointed me Oli, they battered guarani 5-0 over two legs mm. um you know this is a guarani side who were in the group stages of the competition well qualified out of the you know they, they, they qualified out of the group stages last year i think they did lost in the last 16 maybe um possibly I'd, I'd have to i that, don't I think. think they
1: got out of the groups but maybe
0: no you might be right there yeah, but I mean, you know, I was disappointed by, with Guarani for the fact that Atletico Nacional just absolutely battered them.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's, um, that's a positive sign, though, in terms of looking at what we might get to see from Atletico Nacional this year. Again, I know when we've been in South America, unfortunately, we're not there just at the moment. Hopefully later on in the year, once things change, we might be able to get back and chat boots on the ground with some people again. But there's been a lot of discussion about Colombian football. And how it has it had a real peak, and then there hasn't been much in the last three, four years of like a really good Colombian side to watch. You know, uh, people were mentioning Deportivo Cali's name a lot of the time at the start of the Copa Sudamericana campaigns, and that hasn't really shown up. And Atletico Nacional, at least, I was very disappointed with last year as well in continental competition. So it's good to see them take on a Guarani side that we quite highly rate, I think, on this podcast mainly because of what we've witnessed over the last few years again. And, you know, it's a different side. Ronnie Redes has gone up to Austin. Um, Mm. You know, they are missing a couple of other like half-decent players that they had in that team. So maybe they're a slightly weakened outfit compared to what we've been used to seeing. But I think this this will be, as we've kind of, Paraguayan sides have been a bit more of the hipster sides, but Libertad have never really impressed that much. I think whenever I've watched them, they're not an aesthetically pleasing side to view. No, so no. I think Atletico Nacional. This could be quite a tidy draw for them. This could be one that maybe will be the most uninspiring to watch, but mm. is a nice, a nice clean whistle through for the uh, Colombians.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those ties being played uh, between the sixth and the eighth of April, the first leg and the second leg on the thirteenth to fifteenth of April. That's after the international break. I should say, of course, mid pod. But of course, Wilson and Windsor's. Libertadores podcast. We're up and running now, Mister Wilson, right? So we're going to do pods now from from here on in. We'll cover the, we'll have a pod for each of the the legs of the third round of qualification, and then there's going to be quite a, yeah, a fun next phase in the evolution of the podcast uh, for the for the preview of the big group stages. But yeah, uh, yeah here, here we are. That, that, that's that's where we stand then in terms of the third phase of qualification. Any any other thoughts or notes or musings on that? I mean, it's it's four cracking games it really is even if you just completely have ignored the first and second round of qualification as a football fan and as a south american football fan which i don't blame you for doing really but you should definitely pick this tournament up now as opposed to in a few weeks time for the groups i'd say
1: yeah i think anybody that doesn't look at these and then goes into the group stage thinking oh these teams qualified through qualifying uh, you know had to come through the qualifying stages you're going to look at it very naively Um, and speaking as somebody who has been caught out very often in football of looking at things naively from time to time, um, there are far worse sides that are currently already booked into the group stage than the four that are going to come out of this. And to not be disrespectful to any of those lesser sides already in the group stage, but these four will all be thinking we can be in the top two, whoever comes through these four qualifying rounds in the group stage. I was
0: going to completely agree on it. I was going to say, you look at the sides that have... Qualify for the groups. I mean, always ready. Union La Calera, Argentinos Juniors, Deportivo Tachira, Universitario, the strongest. I mean, you can really make a very strong case that those. Wow. I mean, you know, a big chunk of those eight clubs are, at least on paper, um, worthy of a place in the group stages. I'd go further and say that, mate. Hey, some of those sides will fancy themselves to go really deep. Santos and Gremio, if if they get through, Santos and Gremio certainly will. IDV will. San Lorenzo might. I'd let the I Ganasin Ganasin will expect to
1: be in knockout stage yeah. football, you imagine. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I don't think, I think it's a really good point that you make when you say that if you miss, if you don't watch any of these third round of qualification, you might be missing the start of... A genuine story that goes very very deep into the calendar year and into the competition i don't think that's uh i don't think that's too much of a stretch to say that in september october november orly we could be referencing back something that happened in the third phase of qualification
1: i would put all of those teams above any of the uruguayans come in that come in and then nine others that are currently in that group stage having a look at it
0: i'm looking at the list now yeah i mean i think a real of five or six but yeah you can easily I mean, you may be looking at, yeah, America, the Cali, Sporting, Cristal Velas. Yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, so it's... uh, We'll we'll see. Maybe we, we can... Uh, really of of the, the four that
1: may get through, who do you think goes the furthest out of these in the qualifying... For... These currently left in the last round of qualifying, who do you think goes the furthest through the tournament? Obviously, it's all based on who they get in the group stage as well. They could end up with a yeah, really tough course.
0: group. Yeah, of course. I'm going to be boring and say Grêmio.
1: Yeah, it's really tough to... I know...
0: Yeah, I know they've lost players and stuff, but we know how important and how valuable a consistent coach can be in South America because it's so rare. Mm. Um. So yeah, I think I, I I don't I think if you look at the last five years, I don't see how you could not say Grammy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that. I mean, I'm hoping it's them that gets knocked out, but it's yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. If they go through, they're probably going the furthest out of all of them.
0: Are you sure?
1: Any other musings from around the world of South American football, wins, are you know.
0: <laughs> do you, you want to squeeze in the... Should we do Copper Sood in here? Or we no, separate? no, we'll do,
1: we'll do a little separate. Yeah, yeah, we'll... yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. nice. Any other... Is, yeah, I feel like you're leading me somewhere with that. Well, I was just wondering if you had any
1: thoughts on the Classica or anything like that. I mean, to have a Boca River game just before we get into the nitty-gritty of the Copa Libertadores.
0: I can't believe you managed to, <laughs> to drag Boca River. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this might be the one podcast... Throughout the because t- <laughs> every podcast from here on in, we were definitely going to mention Bokka River, right? If they end up on the we'll... right
1: side of the drawer, if they end up, yeah. like...
0: <laughs> but even like yeah. I'm sure we'll end up. So, I, I thought this might be a pod. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Big thanks for listening to the podcast. Once again, remember to follow us on all good social media outlets such as Twitter and Instagram. Uh, will Win Pod is where you can find our new Twitter and Instagram accounts. That's Will Win Pod. You can also follow at David T. Windsor and all of that social media activity that he provides on Twitter. That's at David T Windsor and myself O underscore J underscore Wilson. That's O underscore J underscore Wilson. The best way, though, to stay up to date with all of the new podcasts that will be coming out in 2021 is of course by liking and subscribing to the podcast on your favourite podcasting outlets such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, any other reputable uh, places to find a podcast and of course our host anchor.fm. Like, subscribe, review, let us know what you think, get in contact with us in questions that you can fire across. We'll be more than happy to do our best to try and answer them or find some experts that really can. And in the meantime... Stay glued to the Copa Leptadores 2021. We will continue to produce more great content throughout the year. Take care.